Welcome to Dietitian Boss. I'm Libby Rothschild, your host and fellow dietitian. I'm a coach to my fellow female colleagues all around the world. I help you get leads and turn prospective clients into paying customers using online marketing and social media strategies that focus on sales. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Casey Farlow, aka the Brain Dietitian. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist specializing in functional medicine approaches to reduce neurological and mental health disease progression and symptoms by healing the gut, balancing hormones, optimizing micronutrients, and utilizing neuroplasticity. Casey created her virtual functional medicine practice, Theory Health, to provide personalized health and wellness solutions using cutting-edge science and personalized wellness alongside evidence-based medical nutrition therapy. Casey decided to niche down into brain health due to her own brain health journey and seeing brain health as the most important indicator of quality of life in her clients. Since niching down last year, Casey co-created the Parkinson's Gut Health Protocol, which has over 300 participants. She lives in Steamboat Springs, Colorado with her husband, Jake Farlow, and her website is theoryhealth.com and thebraindietitian.com, and you can find her on Instagram at the.brain.dietitian. Hello and welcome. Hey, Libby. I'm so excited to be here. I am thrilled to have you and to chat with you. And yes. uh, Casey is a, a past client of my private coaching program, so I'm so excited to have her share her journey and some reflections and inspire all of you listening uh, with, her, with her really incredible story. First, I just want to thank you, Libby, for really taking our profession to the next level. Seriously, like I think back on listening to this podcast a year ago, and it completely transformed my business. So I just want to give you, like, give yourself a pat on the back because you really are transforming what it means to be a brain or a dietitian boss. So, you know, kudos I, to you for taking us all to the next level. I truly appreciate that. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, it's very, very nice of you to say that. Yes. And uh, with that being said, uh, you do apply yourself. So it, you know, what's special about your stories that you've taken. Uh, concepts, even before I remember when we hopped on our discovery call, you had already niched down and you had already, you know, really worked on collaborating and, you know, creating a course. And, and we just worked on tightening some systems. So what makes a dietitian boss, a diet, well, what makes a dietitian a dietitian boss is when she can actually put, put action um, forth in her business. And so I really appreciate that about you. And I know you're role modeling, not only for functional dietitians, for all dietitians to take oh, action. Thank you. I really appreciate yeah. that. But I think about just like how much this podcast in the past year has really helped. And then our one-on-one -on -one work really took it to the next level. So thank you for that. I'm glad to hear that. Thank yes, you so much. Of course. All right. So tell us about your journey and uh, what has helped you create your business? Yeah. So this is a loaded question. <laughs> um, so I kind of go all the way back to when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia in college. So I had a bout with mono that was really severe. And then after the fact, like a few months later, I started to have my symptoms come back. And I'm like, what is going on? I thought I was healed from mono. Um, and I started to go the traditional medicine route, going to doctor after doctor. Nobody could give me any answers. And they wanted to just basically band-aid my symptoms and give me medication. 
And at the time, like I was studying biology, I wanted to go to med school, but I was like, there's got to be a better way to this. Nobody was asking me about nutrition, supplementation. You know, we, they weren't looking at me as a whole human being. How was my stress levels? Nobody asked me about that. So I really had a come to Jesus moment, if you will. And I'm like, this is what I want to do with my life. I don't want to go the standard medical route. There's another way and it's better. And it's looking at the whole person. So that's what kind of led me into functional medicine overall. And then the brain health piece came when I was working with clients and I was seeing mental health being this underlying issue that people were not talking about. So people were coming to me for like gut health issues or hormones or something like that. But that was the thing that was really affecting their quality of life. And that's when I was like, you know what? There might be something to this brain health thing because we always looked at the brain as separate from the rest of the body. And that's completely inaccurate, right? Everything in your body affects your brain. So I knew that, you know, and in my personal experience, like every time I would take the pill, every time I would take birth control, I would get horribly anxious and depressed. And I would tell my doctor and they would look at me like I was completely insane, right? They're like, no, that's impossible. Here's a medication to help, right? Another medication to help. And now we have studies showing, I mean, there's a huge study out of GMS psychiatry showing that, no, there's actually like a potential causal relationship between birth control and depression and anxiety. But this is so new, right? We didn't know that back then. So that's what kind of led me into brain health was my own personal experience. And I think having a personal experience when you are niching down is extremely important because like I can't relate to people going through fertility struggles, right? I'm not gonna niche down into fertility when I've never had my own fertility struggles or I'm not gonna niche down into PCOS if I've never had PCOS, right? So when you do niche down, kind of digging deep into your own personal journey and your own health, because that makes you more authentic and able to relate to your client. Um, so I think I went on a tangent, but. That's <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that reflection. And also for those of you listening, you know, digging down, whether you are niche down or you're not, mm-hmm. what Casey is saying is that being able to dig down to your experience and use that with your messaging to be authentic. And you can hear that with, yeah. with Casey sharing her experience It, you know, it's closely tied to her feelings and, you know, who you are today. And I think that's a great perspective. And I think that's a great takeaway and that all of us should be reflecting in our company to think how we can more closely align with the audience we're serving. So it's great that you've been able to connect with that um, right. and share it. And like my private practice theory health was doing okay, right? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, I was barely financially staying afloat. I was theory health purely for two years. And then when I niched down, my practice blew up. I mean, I doubled my income last year. So if you are in a place where you're struggling in terms of not really making it with your business, niching down, and I know you talk about this so much in this podcast, but it is so powerful. And just this year, I mean, I think I became the brain dietitian in February. So it really, you know, last February. So it's really hasn't been that long. And the way that my practice has grown is so incredible. So it's really valuable to me. And it was so hard, Libby, like in the beginning, I was so scared. I was like, but I love gut health and I love hormones and I love, well, the reality is I incorporate all those things when it comes to brain health. 
but it can be really hard because you feel like you're limiting yourself. But at the same time, you can always change, right? Like the yeah. brain dietitian was like an experiment in the beginning. I changed my handle just to see what would happen. And I started to get all these followers and it was unbelievable. Theory Health was barely, I mean, I couldn't get past a thousand, right? And then right when I switched, I doubled within a month. So it's really, really interesting how that happens too. It is interesting. And I want to go a little bit deeper with that as well. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that it was difficult and the mm-hmm. outcome has helped you with um, leads and, and also sales, right? Sure. So walk us through what helped you, you know, really do it. What helped you dive in? And <laughs> yeah, <go through>? no. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I was listening to a lot of business podcasts and that was kind of the main message was like, go niche or go home, right? I mean, if you're not going to niche, you're not going to create impact that you want and you're not going to create income that you want. And so I was like, well, it's worth a shot. I'm always going to have theory health. Theory health is my practice. It's worth a shot to just put a toe in, right? And just kind of see how it feels. And then you start to realize, oh, wait, this is actually working, you know? And people are starting to view me as the brain health sort of expert in dietetics, right? And so I got approached by Sarah to create the Parkinson's gut health protocol. That would have never happened. And this was only maybe four months after I niched into the brain dietitian um, that I got offered that co-creation of the gut health protocol. Walk us through how you got that. This woman, Sarah, who who reached out to you, did she find you on Instagram? Like, Talk to us about that opportunity and the benefits you've received from that. Yeah. So we met through a friend um, that played soccer with her. And she specializes in Parkinson's disease. She's a physical therapist. And all she does is courses. So she doesn't see one-on-one. It's all online courses. And our mutual friend told her, oh, well, Casey is the brain dietitian. You know, you guys should link up. And she's like, oh, my God, I have to meet her. So she planned to come to this crawfish boil that I was going to be at, that our mutual friend had planned. And she kind of pulled me aside and said, you know, I really need to talk to you about a project that I'm thinking about that I've had in the works for a while, but I need to pull a dietitian on board with this. So we ended up planning a walk for the next day in Austin around the lake. And she's like, had the whole plan. And she's like, I need you for this. And I need you to be all in. And I'm like, I'm all in. I'm so excited. And we worked so well together. Um, We created the Parkinson's Gut Health Protocol. We released in August of this past year and had over 300 participants. And I do think it's hard to find people that you work really well with. And I got really, I mean, I was so blessed that I found Sarah and we just really hit it off and work so cohesively together. Um, But that's kind of how it happened. And like, again, she wouldn't have reached out to me or tried to go to that crawfish boil if I was just theory health. I mean, I just don't think that would have ever happened. And so it's really powerful, again, when people start to view you as the expert in something specific, because when it came to our marketing, you know, people are like, oh, she's the brain dietitian. Like she knows about Parkinson's, which obviously I do, but it's like just me being labeled that was powerful in our marketing too. Absolutely. Yeah. 
powerful for the marketing for the the participants in the course and then powerful mm-hmm. for this woman Sarah to be able to approach you for the opportunity and powerful for revenue because 300 participants is that's quite a bit of participants that's fantastic yeah for sure i mean it it really blew me away <laughs> and it was my first kind of you know experience with courses and Sarah did most of the back end because that's what she does. Like she does courses and I created the course content. So, you know, it was nice to kind of have someone there that was super experienced in course launches because again, I had no idea. Um, yeah. I think anybody can learn how to do it, but it is a process and it is a certain skill set. So absolutely. But yeah. It was also cool because it opened me up to her entire audience, which she has a huge Parkinson's audience and you know, it, it enabled me to build more of a following because I was able to expose myself and connect to her audience as well. Yeah. It's an incredible opportunity and I love how specific and aligned it is and how much of a positive outcome and benefit, you know, you and your, the participants and clients like felt from being a part of that. Yeah. So I mean, our results, incredible story. Were, our results were just absolutely incredible. Like the fact that gut health can play such a huge role in neurological disease, right? I mean, we're healing the gut and we're seeing Parkinson's symptoms decrease. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I pinch myself every day. Like, how is this? I mean, this is so incredible that this is possible. And I think it's going to change the modality of how we treat neurological illness in mental health for that matter. And when you say you pinch yourself, is that the imposter syndrome talking? No, I think it's, well, I mean, I think we all have a little bit of that, but I think it's the fact that we've created such benefit um, and such impact in, you know, like when a Parkinson's patient goes to their doctor, their doctor is not talking about nutrition or gut health, right? And they're seeing better symptom reduction through a gut health protocol than they even do with their medication sometimes. So it's, you know, it's really powerful. I think that's why I pinch myself just because it's like, wow, this can, this makes such a huge difference. And because it's powerful and because you see the results, it's really in the patient's best advantage if you can find a way to get in front of them so you can help serve more people because there's a, you know, proven outcome here that you have with what you're doing with your protocol. So it's really in their best interest. Um, So, you know, you marketing yourself more specifically and better is truly helping, helping them. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it's so rewarding to feel so satisfied with the, the work that you do and how it positively impacts the people who you're intending you know, to impact. Yeah. I think that having your why of why you're doing what you're doing is so essential. Like you even have in your workbook to read that book, forget what it's called. Start exactly. with why. Start yeah. with why. Yeah. Because you have to, because there's going to be days where you feel beat up and you don't feel motivated and you just like get haters on the internet and you have to have that reason and that why always at the forefront to keep yourself motivated. Otherwise you're going to let the haters kind of come in and ruin the show. Right. So you have to keep motivated in that way. I love that. And I think that's, that's a reminder we need, if not every day, every week, I can't tell you how many times that comes up with my clients as far as managing people who don't agree. And we're all going to have ups and downs. You know, we're all human at every level, beginner, intermediate, advanced as a practitioner. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be days that are just not as easy as the day before. And so aligning with your why, whether you're, you know, positive affirmation on your wall, rereading that book. I've reread that book several times, start with why. It's going to help keep you aligned and focus on how you're providing a 
positive outcome for the people who you serve. So it's yeah. always good to go back to that. I think self-care for entrepreneurs is really important too. Like I have a meditation practice. I have a journaling practice because when those things start to go, I get more overwhelmed. And, you know, being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. Um, it's not for the faint of heart. It can be really hard and challenging and you have to have that time to come down with your nervous system. I mean, this is what I teach clients too. You have to be able to regulate your nervous system because it can get overwhelming and my co-creator of the course, you know, I mean, she had haters and it was really, really hard because she devoted her entire life to the Parkinson's community and to have people kind of not come after her, but say negative things about her is extremely hurtful. And, you know, that stuff is just part of the territory. As you get bigger and as your following grows, your haters get more and more and they get louder. And that's just part of it. And accepting that it's just part of it, I think is a big part of, you know, being successful. I, I love these reflections and I think they're really helpful and inspiring. And I appreciate how you're pulling from your personal story, right? So whether you have experienced a hater firsthand or someone you know or have worked with, you're still impacted, whether it's direct or indirectly with how people feel and processing the emotions. And that's why, again, Casey talks about her checks and balances with her regular self-care meditation routine and all of those things, remembering your why and putting self-care first can help keep you aligned because these things will happen. If not now, it's going to happen tomorrow or the next day where people don't agree with you and they might even be offensive and you yeah. just have to find a way to handle it. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. So. I, I, I want to ask another follow-up question about this meditation self-care routine. Yeah. I find that really um, incredible. And I know that's, you know, similar, it correlates with, you know, how you work with clients as well and helping yeah. them keep aligned. Can you get, walk us through uh, how long you've been doing that or briefly tell us like the positive outcome of you finding whether small or large, some type of routine that keeps you aligned and putting self-care first. Yeah. So I think in the first couple years of my business, I was starting to get burnout. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was starting to just get, I was trying to be there for clients all the time and stressing about everything. And I realized that I had to build in those moments of self-care in order to really keep my sanity and to keep me thriving in my business. Because when you're overwhelmed, it's reflected on your clients. So like I take, you know, 20 minutes a day. I have a sauna too in my, in my office. And it's like my 20 minutes of just relaxation. And I meditate for that period of time when I'm done with clients. And I've almost like booked it into my calendar as something that just has to happen. Um, I am... I'm so impressed. Yeah, to keep it, but it's Libby. It's so essential to be successful. I mean, I see it with other entrepreneurs where they run their self, run themselves ragged, and they want to quit, and they do quit. And I don't ever want to get there because I just feel like I have too many people to serve. Yeah. And but if you don't build those things in, like I have on Tuesdays and Thursdays, two hours in the middle of the day, that's my yoga time, and I go walk to my yoga. And it's like, I, I just do that. Like, that's just a non-negotiable for me because I know that's what's needed to keep me thriving. I love that. I, th I love that you patch it into your schedule and that you can share that with the listeners, um, whether you know, you're telling that to your clients and inspiring them 
and or your colleagues, because a lot of us do struggle with that, whether it's a one minute meditation or a two hour block. Right. Um, a lot of times when I'm looking at my client's schedules as we're you know doing ideal days and, and looking at how you block out your time, it is something a lot of us struggle with, right? Is patching in that time for self-care and figuring it out. And it's quite often the first thing to go. Right. Well, this is a problem I see with pretty much all of my clients is lack yeah. of boundaries. Um, and if you don't have boundaries, you don't have time for self-care, period. Because yeah. you always will have something to do. I yeah. always have something I could be doing, right? So boundaries are just so essential to just keep you, you know, keep your self-care where it needs to be in order for you to thrive in whatever you're doing. You're so inspiring, Casey. <laughs> So inspiring. Thanks, Libby. I mean, but it's taken work and practice to figure that out for myself. And everybody's different, right? Some people can sure. just do a two-minute meditation and be totally cool. I have a very heightened um, nervous system where I need to de- you know, escalate my nervous system on a regular basis in order to keep me thriving. Some people are just naturally calm. I'm not one of those people. So you have to figure out what works best for you. And it might be as simple as taking a walk for 15 minutes in the middle of the day just to have a brain break, right? It doesn't and, have to be 20 minutes of meditation. Right. And what I love about this reflection that, um, that you're sharing is you're so self-aware of your stage and, and who you are as a person and what you need. And I love that reflection. Yes, of course, some people can have a, a lower tolerance. They can do a one-minute meditation and then that's what works for them. And they found that. And for you, you know you need a little bit more. And I really appreciate that because you know, you need to, for those of you listening, like get a better sense of your personality and respect that. One of my coaches told me I have a high tolerance for, for working, right? Like I, <laughs> I, I can manage a lot um, and not everybody, we all have our own like level of tolerances. And so for you to figure that out, develop some somewhat of a routine and respect mm-hmm. that, that's part of the journey of, of that high level of, you know, being a practitioner on a, in an advanced level and understanding that. And for us to pass that along for listeners, whether you're just starting or you're intermediate or maybe even advanced in your practice, I think those are good things to think about and apply. Sure. And it, you know, I mean, with me at one point, I was really booked with clients where I didn't have time for that self-care And you adjust your prices accordingly of how, and this is something you taught me. It's like, how many clients do you want to see a week? Right. How many clients tell me? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Okay. 15. Well, okay. Then you need to increase your prices because right now you have 30. So, you know, figuring that out too and adjusting prices accordingly of how many people you want to be serving in order to still have that self-care in place. So I love that. Let's talk more about that. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to me, talk to me about your price change or a tip that you have. I mean, you just said it, but I want to make sure for, for those listening that you did, that wasn't glossed over. What kind of tip or reflection do you have about um, changing your prices, increasing your prices or understanding um, why it's important to increase your prices? Yeah. I mean, it's digging deep and figuring out what you want out of your business, right? Some people love to see clients all day back to back. I mean, you probably coach people all day, you know, and that works for some people and they really enjoy it and love it. I'm an introvert. It's hard for me to see clients all day. And I wanted to be able to invest some of my time in other projects like courses and things like that. So having 30 clients a week was not working for me in order to do other projects, right? 
So that's when it was like, okay, how do you get your client load down? Well, the only way to do that is to increase price, right? And it worked. I mean, I increased my prices. My client load went down. I have more time for courses, building audience, the things that I also want to be doing while seeing clients. So it gives me more balance in my business. So it's figuring out what you want. Again, if you want to see clients all day, charge a cheaper rate, have more client load, and offer probably less you know, support, if you will. So it's figuring out like what works best for you, really, in everything in business. I mean, you have to make it individualized to you. And also keep your eyes on your own paper. What works for you might not work for somebody else. And what works for somebody else might not work for you. And this was a big struggle that I've experienced in business. Sometimes you look at other entrepreneurs and you're like, I should be doing this and I should be seeing clients this much and I should be creating, you know, whatever. No, you don't have to. This is all about your business and you can make it whatever works for you. And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that it's, you know, you have that freedom and that ability. So I I agree. And it is a tough slippery slope for a lot of people because we fall into that comparison trap and we see, well, if that person's making that amount of money or if that person's creating a course, a lot of dietitians come to me and say, well, I should do this because that's what someone else is doing, or I should charge this because that's what someone else is charging. And that's how we get all these dietitians selling single sessions instead of packages because they see other dietitians doing it. Don't so it can that. be <laughs> Yeah. To uh, listen to Casey. So it, it can, it can be tricky. And again, it, it all goes back to knowing who you are and doing that, that deep, difficult work of reflection. And I, I love your takeaways. I think is really going to be helpful. I'm so excited to air this episode and, yeah. and uh, have people get all these, these wonderful reflections um, about how you've grown and, and how you're sharing that experience. Thank you. Um, yeah. And, and I wanted to ask, you know, what has been the biggest challenge or something that's been a little bit easier than you had thought in your, you know, in your business journey, whether it be recent or sometime in the past? So the biggest challenge I would say is boundaries. (laughs) I had no boundaries with clients in the beginning, like zero, and it was running me ragged. Um, Creating boundaries and clear expectations with your clients is really essential Um, That was one of the biggest challenges I experienced. Um, And then in the beginning, obviously, getting clients, which I think niching down really helps with that process of being able to more easily get clients. So yeah, that was my biggest, those were my biggest struggles is boundaries. Um, I think that that boundaries, honestly, is the hardest, I think. I think entrepreneurs with your time and with your clients as well. Yep. So if I'm getting this correctly, in the beginning stages, it's niching down to get clients because mm-hmm. that's going to help you with increasing visibility. And then after that layer, it would be after you've been able to get clients, then it would be creating boundaries and checks and balances so that you're running a business on your terms the way that works for, for you and so that you can provide the best service for them and also increase your bottom line as a company. Is that correct? Yeah, 100%. And I think just comparison, right, of you know, I should like the shoulds, I should do this and I should do that. Um, coming to peace with like, no, you don't have to do anything, right? You can make this completely your own and personal. Um, and you don't have to run yourself ragged in order to gain a certain income bracket or what have you, you know, you get to decide how much you work and you get to decide essentially what your income might be. So 
It's a powerful and a beautiful thing. It is. It's powerful. It's really powerful and it's beautiful. But I mean, you do get what you put into it, right? Usually. And sometimes I don't think I'm willing to put in too much to where I might make more money, but I would sacrifice my own health, right? Like I said before, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue. And if my stress levels start to get out of hand, it starts to affect me physically, right? So I have to be really careful about that. Uh, And that's great that you're aware. And I think passing that along, again, both to your colleagues and even to your clients is is a really powerful message that you can continue to to send to them. I have have a follow-up question uh, just to be complete because I asked you know, how you niche down and you had said, uh, you had given an answer for what helped you with that. What helped you if, if not one specific thing, what combination of things helped you with creating the, those more clear boundaries? Cause that is a high level thing that a lot, I'd say every single person, um, including myself, you know, it's difficult. So I what's mean, helped really, you better? I feel like you <laughs> helped me with that and just like experimenting with what works for me. Right. Well, it wasn't working for me having clients all the time and having them message me 24 seven and it wasn't working. So I had to create change and I created that change really slowly, right? I increased my prices slowly and see how it went. So, you know, you kind of just have to experiment and see what sticks um, and see what works for you in terms of setting boundaries. And, you know, you really helped me with like concrete boundaries and how to set up those expectations with your clients from the get-go with a contract, right? So they know exactly when you'll be available, you know, how often they can see you, things like that um, is really crucial. You can't have it be like you can book as many appointments with me as you want, right? I mean, you have to have very clear, concise boundaries. So your client is aware because it does them a disservice if they're going into the situation not knowing you know, when you're going to respond to their messages or when you're going to comment on their food or what have you. Um, so you help me kind of concrete those boundaries and figure out um, all of that. So, cause I think when I came to you, it was like, I didn't really have amazing boundaries. I mean, I was working on it and getting better, but sitting down with you and being able to be like, you know, Casey, what do you want? Like, what, what do you want your ideal day to look like? You know, and I'm like, well, I don't want to be responding to questions 24 seven, right? I want to have a block of time right first thing in the morning where that's where I answer questions and go over food and do those things. And then I'm done for the day when it comes to looking at food log. So it's, you know, creating those boundaries again, takes practice and figuring out what works for you. Yeah. And I think the the biggest thing that I've noticed from both things that you've said, the niching down and the boundaries, because that's helped you grow. What the common theme I've seen in both of these is you experimenting and testing it and then evolving. And so, you know, you don't have to go from, you know, you know wherever you are, it's not always a 360 over here. <laughs> what you no. did is you experimented, you said you changed your handle, you saw positive results for your niche, you got a collaboration, you had more opportunities to increase impact and income. And the same with the boundaries, you made small changes, increased your price, saw it worked and reevaluated and, and you allowed yourself to really um, be intentional. And, and that's, I think that's a really you know, positive way to give a message for the listeners is that it can happen in stages. Absolutely. I've changed my prices probably five times since I started. (laughs) So, you know, you can change your price, get confident with that price and then increase it and see how your audience reacts. 
right? When you have discovery calls and you're not landing as many as you would like. You know, right now, my prices significantly increased over the past year, and I'm not booking as many calls because that's just part of it. I didn't want to book as many calls because I had too many clients, right? So you have to just experiment and not, and know that nothing is permanent. Even the brain dietitian, I might niche down even further into just Parkinson's at some point, right? Or I might niche down further into just depression. I mean, I don't know what the future holds. Yeah. Um, always change. You're not stuck in any situation and you evolve as a human. I always say like entrepreneurship is the fast track of personal growth Yeah, because it forces you to evaluate yourself and where you are and it reflects into your business. Yep. Well said. I mean, that's uh, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really helpful tips that I think uh, for those of you listening, when you re-listen, maybe replay this podcast episode and then ap- apply what Casey's saying. Yeah. As we wrap up, a couple last questions. I wanted to know um, for full-time entrepreneurs, for those of you listening who are full-time, mm-hmm. uh, how do you stay motivated uh, without someone giving you concrete deadlines? So I make daily goals, weekly goals, hourly goals. I mean, I'm a goal setter and I am internally motivated, which I do think is important if you want to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody thrives in that environment and that's okay. I mean, my husband's one of those people. Like he does not thrive working for himself. He likes to have more structure and some people thrive with that. I remember one of my best friends, she's a very successful lawyer in New York City. And she was just like, Casey, I don't understand how you stay motivated. Like I could never do what you're doing. And she's super successful, right? But she loves working in a group and in an environment like that. But I would say for full-time entrepreneurs, just making those daily goals making those monthly goals. Um, And if you don't reach them, having self-compassion And not beating yourself up over that, I think, is really important. Because we can make a huge list and not accomplish anything and then beat ourselves up, um, which doesn't do any good. So taking baby steps, figuring out what are your goals, looking at those big lofty goals, and then what are those tiny baby steps you can take to get there? Like you don't want to start a course if you don't have an audience, right? You have to build audience, which is the first step. You know, second step is building connection. Third step is, you know, once you have an audience, maybe launching a short course. You know, so you have to kind of look at it in stages too. Um, I'm guilty of this recently. Like I, you know, we have the gut health protocol, Parkinson's gut health protocol relaunching in January. And then in the meantime, I'm trying to create my own course, which is the good mood protocol, which will be coming out. And I'm like, whoa, I had to take a step back while we were working together. I'm like, this is too much. I've taken on too much. So then I scaled back and I'm like, okay, January, I'm just focusing on Parkinson's. Like that's what I'm doing. Um, because the good new protocol is pretty much done, but I, I can't have all of these moving pieces all at once. So finding those tiny goals, sticking to them and having that why be in the forefront of your mind at all times is really important because there's going to be days where you're not going to be motivated. And that's okay, right? I mean, you're not going to be productive every day. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it's almost good to have the non-productive days, right? It is, 100%. You know, you need to take breaks. You can't, I mean, I kind of view my work as like, 
I push and pull. Like I go full in for a few days and then I relax. Um, you have to build that stuff in. So I hope I answered the question. You absolutely did. And I I think you answered the last one too, but I still am going to ask it for any final thoughts here. What is next in your business? Yeah. So we have the Parkinson's gut health protocol will be at second launch on February 16th, 2020. So coming up very soon. Um, And then I will have the good mood protocol, which is you know, a way to treat anxiety, depression, and brain fog naturally. So a framework to do so, which I use with my clients. And that should be coming out hopefully in March, March or April. So again, I can't release them both at the same time because that might be a little much. And you have to build audience right before you can launch. So there's steps to it. And it's, I want to make sure it's methodical and makes sense. So that's in the future, which is really exciting. Super exciting. And I, I love uh, how you've thought that out and um, set those goals um, to small realistic goals. That's uh, great feedback um, for, for the listeners. Any final words you want to leave us with today? Um, definitely go follow Casey at the .brain.dietitian. Let her know how, um, how much today's episode impacted you for those of you listening. And is there anything else you want to leave us with? Yeah, just please follow me at the.brain.dietitian. Send me a DM. I'd love to connect with you guys. And if you have any questions about business or what have you, you can always reach out to me and I'm happy to help you guys. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks, Libby. Thank you for joining today's episode. If you'd love to learn more about how to get leads online and turn prospective customers into clients, apply for my coaching. I still have a wait list. Go ahead and visit LibbyRothschild.com. That's www.LibbyRothschild.com. Go under signature service and apply for my wait list.